Why, hello, Graham Norton here. What a Sunday we had here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Let's see what's in store today. Sarah Pascoe and I celebrate her debut novel, Weirdo. Nina Sasanya shares details of the new series of Screw. That's Screw 2 to you. Show chef Martha celebrates apple season, this time a self-sourcing pudding. You heard me. That's what it is. Uh, but before all of that, Maria McCurlin is ripping open your envelopes for Graham's Guide so that we can help you with your dilemmas. Morning, Maria. How are you? I must apologise in advance, oh, Graham, yes. if I'm a little bit bleary and sneezy. Because yesterday, Graham, you must do this too, I went for my flu jab. Flu jab, very important. Apparently, there is a very bad strain coming this year. So the fluey people told me, the people oh, who yes. do the jab. It's like weather forecasters, isn't it? Yeah, the, virus fl- the flex is <laughs> the Flexperts, very good. Yeah. Um, but I've had it lots of times before, and this time it was like I just went, yes, please give me um, instant flu, please, because I'm feeling way too well at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm all achy and coughy and sneezy, and it's weird. It's really yeah. weird. It came on in like an hour. You're, you're really selling that jab. Uh <laughs> I know, but it's worth it for one one day, perhaps. And it doesn't happen to everyone. I mean, do you have the jab, Graham? You're over 60 now. Well, because of that, I've now had, I've had one jab. I had a jab last year. And yeah. isn't, there's some new COVID jabs going around. I might try some of those, might knock some of those into me. Uh, yeah, I think they're for over 65s. Yeah, well, you know, uh, on a Monday, I can probably pass. <laughs> 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 yes, before a shower, you could probably yeah. get oh, away yes, with it. Oh, yes, yes, before before I do my, my ablutions, I'm sure I could pass for 65. <laughs> before uh, the plastic surgeons come in. What were you going to say? Sorry. Uh, well, I was going to ask you if you did anything, because because in a shock move, I've left the house two nights in a row. Oh, I'm calling the police. This is insane. What are you doing? Where did you go? Where did you go? Sugar babes on Friday. Well remembered, yes. The lovely sugar babes. And last night, oh, what a magical evening. I went to the open air theatre in Regent's Park. (gasps) Oh, to see Guys and Dolls? No, no, because that wasn't on. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That would be a shame. Yeah, yeah. I went to see Guys and Dolls. Apparently when I wasn't there, so I watched something else. But uh, (laughs) no, that's on at the Bridge Theatre, Guys and Dolls. The open air theatre is... Is Lacage au Fall. That's what. Oh I mean. yes, that's what I was thinking. Sorry. And yes, most emphasis on the dolls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a lovely show and such great music and just it's really there's something about that particularly on a nice night. Last night was really warm and lovely. And there was just a little breeze and it's just so special, so so special. So I think the open air theatre when it works when it's not you know pouring with rain is really magical to see people sort of you know singing as well singing and dancing in the open air you feel like it's good to be alive and the way the lights are going to the lights are up in the trees and it's all lovely it's very yeah it's so pretty and they've done such a nice job at the front of the house then those big bars and you don't have to queue for very long it's marvelous absolutely and because marvelous. you were in la cage fall graham i seem to recall some yes, time ago yes were you thinking oh no i did that like this that you'd have got a better laugh if you'd have done it no way. do you know what i watch it thinking, how did I do this? <laughs> how was you were it? younger then. How was, well, a man behind me said, I saw you do this 20 years ago. And I mean, it wasn't 20 years ago. It was 12. <laughs> Actually, I think it was 14. I think it was 14 years ago I did it. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, there was. Uh, what's interesting about that show is people love it so much. So there were lots of people coming up to me, kind of going, "Oh, I saw you in this." Or one man came up and said, "I saw you in this three times." And, oh my goodness! And he was back to see it again because people. It's just such a gorgeous, gorgeous musical. It really is. It is. It is. It's just. Lovely. I remember coming to see you doing it in the, sort of like when it first opened, and um, because you were, because as you say, by your own admission, you're not a singer, but you really did well. Um, that sounds like damning with faint praise. <laughs> Um, and it was sort of tentative. And then I came to see it at the end of the run, I seem to recall. And it was like no comedy stone had been left unturned. You had absolutely (laughs) raked through that script and found every laugh there was to have and built on it. It was very pleasing to see. I'd like to see a video of those two performances, actually. Um, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, it made me, because before we start, I was uh, with some friends and one of them said, uh, oh, is this going to make you kind of yearn to be back on the stage and I did think well I wonder if it will no it made me think I must never 
do this again. It looked, oh, it looked exhausting. It looked absolutely it is exhausting. exhausting. But I recall you loved the, all the camaraderie of all the other dancers and still friends with them now. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that. lovely. It was lovely. All of that was lovely. Uh, but having to, you know, do it every night for four, <laughs> for four months. Yeah. Yeah, it, it lost its shine. Virgin Radio. Dear Graham and Maria. Dear Graham and Maria, my husband and I moved into our dream home six years ago. We have a lovely garden with plenty of space for our dog and hopefully a small family, as well as the loveliest neighbours. During lockdown, we were aware that foxes were becoming more and more of a problem and noted that they started to become more and more brazen. Sadly, during this time, our beloved dog was involved in an incident with a fox and her cubs in the garden resulting in him being paralysed in his back legs and requiring £11,000 worth of <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> spinal injury, as well as no, a no, year-long... No, I'm getting, I'm getting a flu jab. I'm definitely getting a flu jab. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> as well as... I'm so sorry, I'm messing up your problem, Becky and Terry. £11,000 worth of spinal surgery, as well as a year-long rehabilitation to save his life. To say we were devastated is an understatement. We have discovered that our neighbour, who has become a close friend, has been feeding the foxes on a daily basis. And on our last count, we now have eight foxes living around our garden. On top of the harrowing screaming through the night, we have to deal with their mess on our drive. We've tried to engage pest control, but they're just not interested once they learn that our neighbours feed them. The relationship between us and our neighbours has been completely broken when we have lost a dear friendship. We've also become prisoners in our own home and our poor dog is scared to go out for a wee in his own garden. We're so worried that we can't think about raising a family here. Our neighbours think that we're being unreasonable, asking her not to feed the foxes. We simply can't see eye to eye. We've tried fencing and pheromone scent to no avail. It's move home or live in the misery where our dog is constantly scared and barking and we lock ourselves indoors. What do we do? And that is from Becky in Surrey. I mean, Graham, I know we've had lots of fox letters before, but I mean, an attack with an £11,000 spinal in injury and a year-long rehabilitation is bad. See, Becky in Surrey, I think you know it was traumatic. I think both you and your husband, and indeed your dog, because dogs pick up on all of this, are suffering from, you know, post-traumatic stress on this particular incident. I mean, uh, speaking as somebody who knows about dog attacks, because I lost l lovely Dolly earlier in the year... Uh, it's very, very uh, upsetting, to say the least. Now, I just don't think you can legislate. You can't get rid of foxes. You, we have to coexist with them. I mean, your dog can go out in the daytime. The foxes really don't come out until nighttime. You just got to keep him away from any dens where there might be cubs. Uh, it sounds to me like you've already made up your mind, Becky in Surrey, that you have to leave. You've broken the relationship with the neighbours and your stress is feeding your dog's stress. So even if you move, that dog is still going to be, you know, not the dog that it was before. I think you kind of all need to have a good sit down and think about how you change your mindset on this. I mean, it's worth a go. Go and see somebody. I did some... EMDR for post-traumatic stress and um, you know before you put the house on the market that's obviously a last call Graham what do you think do you know well one neighbour what is going on in her head that she knows that this, you know, that this awful thing has happened next door. A dog has been attacked, £11,000. You know, obviously really people are very, very upset and she's going, no, I still, I, I still like feeding foxes every day. What it, I'd love to know what is going on in her head, what she thinks has happened, why she thinks Becky's being unreasonable. That fascinates me. I know that's not the problem, but I am fascinated by it. I suppose it, it so wasn't her trauma. It wasn't the neighbour's trauma, and she's still thinking there's little fox cubs there that need feeding. People are very single-minded, I think we could put it down to that. Let's, let's say that. Anyway, I think, Becky, I don't... I, I think... I think what you need to do now is because this is broken this is broken even if the neighbor kind of goes oh you know fair cop gov i'm going to stop feeding the foxes this house is now a scene of trauma it's this house is is kind of spoiled for you and i think you need to reset and i would move i would move and i would have a fresh start and don't see it as a failure or a running away see it as an exciting opportunity we are going to begin 
again. And we won't talk to our neighbours. <laughs> we won't become friends with them uh, because that way uh, bad things happen. So just I, I just think you've got to see this as an opportunity for a, a fresh start for the, the two of you. Graham, they, Becky lives in Surrey. Wherever you move to, it sounds like it's leafy and it's not urban, even though you get foxes in urban environments. The, the, the problem is still going to be there. Yes, so but, it won't be, way- but it'll be a different problem. It'll be just, you know, the general thing. You won't have kind of Loopy Lou next door kind of like putting out pork chops for him. So I think the, the chances of having eight foxes and their cubs living in your garden are quite slim. You know, particularly once you start doing things, you know, because we've had the things before about the, you know, does the peeing in your garden work? I can't remember. I think peeing no. in your garden does work. No. And no. The, isn't there a peppermint thing or there's a, there's there's various well, things you can do. it sounds like they've tried all those yes, things. But I think those things phrase. don't work if someone next door is feeding foxes. The chances of them working are much higher if it's just some foxes kind of strolling by in the evening, kind of going, mm, what's in that bin? And if what's in that bin turns out to be a l- lump of peppermint and, you know, some human pee then uh, maybe they maybe they won't stay around i mean you know we maybe you could make your garden fox proof becky because people do that with chicken coops and so on don't they they that's you don't want to live in this environment where you're you're as much of a prisoner yeah. as they are not being able to get in this will never be right what after no. what's happened it will never be right in this place i think that i think move because there's no reason like, it's not like you're doing a horrible thing by selling this house to someone because actually you know lots of people they won't mind it'll be fine and i don't <coughs> you, you don't have to declare there's lots of foxes you okay there uh you okay hun sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry. you okay hun? just a sneeze <laughs> I'm sorry, Becky, and sorry. I'm really ruining your problem by sneezing and snorting all the way through. And I do feel that it's it's a tough one, but I think Graham is right. You've got to really, you know, either change your mindset um, and try and coexist or just I, I think find just, somewhere just new. Just start again and make it an exciting, fresh start. Endeavour Sponsors, part one. And our first, well, my first tell you that my favourite responders will be getting a box of Dutchy Organic All Butter Shortbread. Oh, yes. It's a selection of plain and chocolate chip flavoured with Madagascan vanilla. Oh, it's organic shortbread as well. There you go. Uh, made uh, in the heart of the Scottish Highlands. That's what you're going to get. Uh, Katie in Hertfordshire says, it's their garden. Speak to a pest control company or the local gamekeeper. Now, we haven't had a local gamekeeper on the show for many months. So, uh, yeah, if you can find a local gamekeeper, talk to them. Uh, foxes are vermin and they have every right to keep them out of their own garden. Now, the only thing, Katie, is one, pest control won't do anything because the neighbour is feeding them. And two, if they get a local gamekeeper who, like, culls them or something... Uh, Mrs. Feedy next door, she's going to lose her mind. So uh, that's not going to end well. They've already fallen out with this neighbour. So it's just, I don't know. Tony just says, move home. Move home. There is no alternative for the many reasons you have mentioned. Foxes are part of urban life and always will be. Life is too short for you to feel this miserable in your own home. Karen in Hereford says, Fox problem? Surely more of a neighbour problem. I'm with you, Karen. Most problems reported living next to, near others, are due to neighbours. Do you really want to continue living next to someone who's making you, oh, I love this, making you vibe lower? Yeah, you're making me vibe lower. Uh, so I have to move because my I'm so low in my vibing. Uh, anyway, you've lots of options here. Barricade yourselves in, move, contact the council, leaflet the neighbourhood, r- raising uh, to get more support for the problem. Don't be the victim in this. Be the hero. Good luck. Karen, Karen, she's vibing high. She is, yeah. Wow, you're making my vibe higher. Very good, Karen. Uh, David North Yorkshire wild animals should not be fed you're so right Dave but try telling that to Loopy Lou next door this takes the fear away from them bearing in mind it's basically a wild dog it's capable of causing damage the vixen is more than capable of feeding her cubs if she is fed then she will protect her new territory fiercely the neighbours need education in what they are doing it's your house so you need to take action and protect it pest control will be able to solve this problem legally and this should be used as leverage to educate the neighbours uh, I mean, you're right, but that neighbour will not be told. You know that now, that, you know, oh, I'm just, yeah. Uh, shortbread's going to Tony. Shortbread, because, yeah, move. It's the only thing to do. Graham's Guide.
Okay, second problem. Here we go. <clears throat> this is quite sad. Dear Graham and Maria, I'm in my late 20s and have been single for a few years now. I have a demanding but fulfilling job, a full social life and a supportive family. I've worked hard for the last few years at enjoying single life and trying not to let society's pressures, by this I mean well-meaning family and friends, of being in a relationship and my biological clocks affecting me, ticking clocks affecting me. Recently a close friend tried to set me up with a male friend of hers and initially I felt there was definitely chemistry. We texted a little and each time we saw each other in a group setting I felt they were vibes. Unfortunately, despite me showing my interest and what I thought was flirtation on both ends, it was just mixed signals from him and it never went anywhere. Now I'm stuck in a situation where if I want to see our mutual friends, there's always the risk of bumping into him as they live very close together and he's always over, and feeling the need to save face and be cool, nice, funny, etc., all the while feeling rejected underneath it. Rejection is a normal part of dating, but normally you don't have to be faced with the rejection continually. So I'm finding this quite hard to deal with. It's been quite some time since I felt this kind of deeper attraction to someone. I know this feeling will pass in time, but do I avoid seeing my friend for a while until I feel better, or is this childish? I just feel like my self-esteem has taken a bit of a knock, and that is from Lola in Cornwall. Oh, Lola in Cornwall, I'm guessing it's... You're not really on the dating scene because you didn't actually go on a date with this person. You know, you didn't do that. There's nothing to feel you've lost face over. He just didn't return your flirty vibes. How many of us have been in that situation? Hey, Lola, all of us. I think you are pinning too much on this. You have put all of that stuff, pressure from family and friends, not dating for three years or however long it's been, um, into this one person. You didn't go on a date with him. There was nothing. You've just seen him. You had a few texts together. He decided it wasn't going to go anywhere and you had put all your eggs, eggs into one basket. So I would say definitely Lola from Cornwall. This has been a bit of a knock, but Really, you've got nothing to lose face about. Go over to your friends, fake it till you make it, smile, do all the laughing, cool, funny, nice, etc., as you say. And the rejection will go away eventually. But, you you know, you can't hide from it or run away from it. But get back on the dating bike. And then when you see it's a numbers game, you'll, you won't feel quite so bad about each one. You know, you'll go, oh, no, I didn't really like him or I didn't really like her. or, And then you won't feel bad about the rejection. I think you're in a place where everything is going into somebody who shows you the slightest bit of interest. Graham, what do you think? Well, uh, one, we are shallow creatures. So I think we are. We, so I think you're feeling this very much at the moment, Lola, because as Marie says, you've got nothing else to feel about. You know, just get out there, you know, have something else happen. You know, you reject someone. <laughs> you find someone who likes you more than you like them. Uh, just You just need to engage yourself emotionally and I think this will go away. Certainly, you should lose a friend over this um, I, I was if I was you uh, Lola if they are a proper friend I think you know meet them away from their house you know invite them to something else you know go, go to an event or go out for dinner go to a pub that's not near the house where you're not going to bump into this guy and I just think uh, it's. I would tell your friend. I would say, "Oh, you know, to be honest, please never set me up with anything again because I, I, that didn't go well with that guy. It was all of a bit of a, you know, it messed with my mind. And uh, but thanks for helping. Da, da, da. And then you might, you know, the friend might kind of go, "Oh well, he said he thought you were, you know, all of that stuff. So you know, you're young." Uh, you're young and it's got to be messy and you've got to get your heart broken. And, you know, that's good for the, you know, a little yeah. bit. But also, Lola, you can't avoid things because there's a possibility. There's a possibility. There's a risk of bumping into them. You cannot live your life like that in any way, shape or form about anything. Life is risky. We will get hurt. We will feel feelings. And that is all it is, really. And if there's someone else that you can insert into this picture that you can transfer for your affections for bearing in mind that don't do it quite so heavily this time just go oh yeah he's quite nice I wonder if that's a possibility then this chap 
will fade from memory very quickly. Yeah. And also, Lola, have a word with yourself. If if you're behaving like this at the end of something that never was, imagine <laughs> what Lola's going to be like at the end of an actual relationship. She's going to have to leave the country. I mean, it's going to be oh. terrible. So you do need to slightly uh, put on your big girl pants and, uh, you know, deal with this because, yes. you know, things could be much worse than this. This is a guy, nothing bad has happened. It's not like he was horrible to you or anything. Uh, you know, he didn't have a breakup, nothing. So you really need to... You really need to toughen up yes, a little just bit. Just a little Lola. bit. When you're when you're back on the dating scene, a little bit of self-protecting armor. Not too much, because you don't want to be impenetrable, if you like, but just keep your feelings in check. Yes. What did people think? Uh, Johnny's from York. Uh, both pride and shame are only real in your own head. This is so true. Because as we saying, nothing happened. It's not like there was a one-night stand or a relationship and then it ended badly. Nothing happened. So carry on seeing your friends, and if he's there, then just fake it till you make it. He might be a great friend one day. Well, let's not shoot for the moon, Johnny. Let's just go for, I I didn't end up sobbing. Uh, (laughs) Uh, The grief of the loss of relationship is related to the fantasy value you invested in the relationship. Karen, you're so right, because it is a fantasy relationship, because it didn't happen. Uh, you're feeling pressure from others due to where you are in your life to be doing something different, uh, sort of partnering or partnering up. However, you said you are not unhappy as you are. Develop some resilience to these pressures. Live your own life, which you sound more than capable of doing. Uh, Catherine Norfolk, Lola, this is just a practice run for the next time. Try not to invest too heavily in early stages of dating and flirting. Just enjoy it. I mean, the trouble is, Kath, it's very hard, isn't it? If you meet someone you like, you do start to kind of think, oh, where might this end up? Yeah, in the bin is where it might end up. But, you know, girl's got a dream, isn't she? Uh, Dave in Gloucester. Lola, basically you have a crush on someone who is not going to enter into a relationship with you. Accept that. However, this doesn't stop you enjoying this guy's company when you are at social events with him. Just don't make a fool of yourself. In the meantime, keep looking elsewhere for a genuine relationship. It will be out there somewhere. Um, You know what? I'm going to give the shortbread to uh, Johnny from York because it's all in your head. It's all in your head. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Pascoe. Hello. Hello. Uh, congratulations. Are we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> My mum knows. I, I, yeah. It's fine. I was, was going to morph it into book, but what I says, congratulations because a lovely baby on the way. Yes, very soon. A couple of weeks' time. Yes. Wow, yeah. they're they're tearing up sheets and boiling water out there just in case. <laughs> it's yeah. really good to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Martha, show chef, she's out there. Yeah. she's got something. <laughs> but don't make it an Instagram clip, okay? That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, it's a reel. Mm, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, before that, uh, out in the world is your very first novel, mm. Weirdo. Yeah, um, and I wanted because. What was it like approaching fiction? Because your books in the past mm. have always had this really interesting take on, on science and biology and all of those things. So what was it like kind of going, oh, in fiction, anything can happen? It was a huge relief. It was a huge <laughs> relief not to be thinking, oh, there's, an, there's a new study. Everything I've written is already wrong. Or, oh, gosh, I need to do some more research. It, it felt like, and I don't know if it feels like this for you, it felt like being... Um, at primary school again with my crayons, you know, especially the very first draft when you're just sort of sitting there going, and the man went over there and then the man put his hat on <laughs> and it just yeah. really felt... Can like... I just say, ladies and gentlemen, it's better than that. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's much, much better but than it, that. But it felt really enjoyable in the way that creating things as a child felt yeah. because anything can happen and because you realise that all of the things... I mean, I love reading, so I, I'm really interested in authors and when people tell you things like, well, the character just made up their own mind oh, or God. they were... I thought they were going to do this and suddenly they just resisted it and they went over there and you really find that that's true. Once they exist in your brain, they're telling you what happens. And when you hear people, it's such an eye roll when people tell you that. Yeah. And then you're in it you're going, oh, it is true. How annoying. (laughs) Also, I remember um, when I was sort of promoting my non-fiction, watching... You know, because authors have to go and do pitches, like three minutes, and they always started very seriously, like, it began with an image. I saw a court case. And again, that was me eye-rolling as a comic, thinking, all right. And then now I'm that person going, I could just see her. She was there. He walks in. Yeah. So actually, let, let's get get into the book. Mm. So uh, Sophie is, yes. the, is the main character. Mm. Tell us about Sophie and where we meet her and what's going on with her life when we meet her. 
I, I really wanted to meet a character where something huge is about to happen and we don't quite know, as a reader, how reliable they are as a narrator. So she's working in a pub, someone walks in from her past, someone that she's got all of these feelings about and a history with, who seems not to know her at all. And so that's that's where we start. And then over the course of the book, which isn't a huge amount of time, we get to know her better and... So we find out more and more of what happened with this guy. And it's quite a complicated structure because we're kind mm. of in now, but we're also in then. Yes. And, and you break it up with these the, the letters and things. Yeah. How, how easy was all of that for you as a, as a debut novelist? Did you kind of think, no, I know exactly what I'm doing here? The, the letters and things came later. Oh, okay. It, they were, first of all, they weren't in there, but it was really helpful. My character, Sophie, she... Um, she really thinks she's going to be very famous one day, like lots of us do. And, um, and uh, so she's sort of collecting things for her biographers in a really sort of... And, and it's a thing, I don't know... Well, especially, I think it's a young person thing sometimes when you really think, I'm going to do something one day. I'm going to be... I don't know what it is. And she does... She, she thinks sometimes it could just be that she gets murdered, but she just wants to make sure that her biographer can sort of go back and, and, and the research is done. And uh, I'm interested, you uh, you opened the book with a Jeanette Winterson quote, mm. uh, it is much better to read yourself as fiction, not as fact. Yeah. Uh, it, is that a clue to what well, the book is? I loved that quote from Jeanette Winterson's amazing autobiography, but I think that's something that we all do. We narrativize, narrativize our lives a little bit. And I think even more now with things like Instagram or reality TV, we're really aware of the external, super aware. Like a really common thing, I think, is like having a, a song play on your in your ears, I was going to say, your, from your iPod. <laughs> so I'm playing... All right, Granny. Yeah, so I'm sure that was your CD man. And, um, and you're walking along and suddenly you're in a film and it's it's you and London is a backdrop or wherever you live. I know we don't all live in London. Um, but, but for Sophie, that's in a really extreme version. She's very, very conscious of whether she's being watched to the point of paranoia. And I think, But I think if you make your life a story... And this is what stand-ups do. It makes it more tolerable. You know, it makes it like, and then that was the end of that chapter or that's how we resolved that issue, that kind of thing. And also, isn't it weird how the story becomes true? Yeah, it it becomes more true. That's your genuine memory. You can convince yourself. It's like um, they did studies with, um, uh, you know, uh, what would you call it? Sort of adapted photographs. So they put pictures of people in hot air balloons as children (laughs) And then they showed them them again the next day and people could remember being in a hot air balloon because your brain just goes, well, must have, must have done it. Yeah. Must have done it then. So stand-ups, this is why people hate going out with us. Uh, we, <laughs> we have a version of events where they tell everyone else and then that becomes the truth. Sorry. I know. I feel like I should warn what's in your, bu- in your tummy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 You will be loved, but you'll be material. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying to try hard not to do that, actually. I do, I'm really, For a minute. I really hope I have un- unfunny children. But but also that's why it's going to be better having two because then they'll have deniability. If I say my kid did a thing, they can both say that was the, the other, other one. one. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, because because they're quite close in age. Yes. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're, you're covered. Thank you. Covered. <laughs> um, so writing fiction, do you think this is the future now? Uh, what what prompted you? Oh, I see. To, to say, okay, I could have done another kind of yeah. uh, sort of science comedy book, but no, I'm doing I this. I really, really, really have always wanted to see if I could write a novel. And I don't know if you found this, but because I really love books and I really respect books, it's very intimidating to sort of put yourself out there with all the incredible writers. Yeah. And you don't know if you're going to, number one, enjoy it or be good at it so it is it feels a little bit vulnerable so I sort of waited until my 40s which is always part of my master plan <laughs> and um and then I wrote a lot of it before I pitched it to anyone oh because I, oh, it's, so, it's so difficult to describe a book yeah but it's better to show and go this is what I'm trying to do does it make sense to somebody and um and now it's all I want to do, actually. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Well, not all I want to do. I'll do gigs in the evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting myself out of comedy, I, but... I was thinking yeah. with writing a novel is it's the one thing that you, could, you can't pretend you don't care. You can't yeah. kind of go, oh, it's just a gig and da-da-da. Like, yeah. You clearly 
that took even if it was yeah. you know just that many words random words that made no sense it took a long time to sit down and type yes them. that's why <laughs> I have such a problem with the starred reviewing system <laughs> because it never it's not properly reflective of years of your life <laughs> the effort the effort that goes in you know when people now have this habit and I know that it's completely fine <laughs> it's just because it's new you know where people will post a picture of themselves with their little review of your book and they'll tag you in it and I'll think just be nice. <laughs> it took me a really long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You write a book. Yeah. 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 yeah you're pleased you yeah. managed to write a 15 word yeah. review. Yeah. Here's you my know. review of your review post. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. And you were talking, the stand up continues, but obviously yes. you're going to take up a, a, a brief pause. A brief pause. But it's never too long because I just really miss it. Yeah. I really miss it. Your brain doesn't stop thinking of angles and writing things down and yeah so yeah. I always think I'll take a long gap but I'll be back yeah. but and after your first baby or like I guess yes. in the lead up to your first baby did you kind of think ooh is this going to change who I am as a performer is it am I you know particularly you're so aware of the the hormones mm. and the this and the that you know all about yeah. that stuff did you did you kind of think ooh who will I be after this I like lots of people who hadn't had children hadn't really been very aware of what other parents had been going through all the time. I'd been really blinkered to it, you know, and having a lovely life. And I really thought I was going to, like, have the child, put it down, <laughs> hire lots of childcare and keep on with my career. And what I didn't realise is that um, you actually feel quite responsible for them. And um, suddenly, like, even going to gigs that weren't that far away, like Brighton, when they finished... Actually, I had the same thing when I adopted my dog, actually, because... The love, if you're away from them too long, you are sort of whiplashed back to them and yeah. you do want to run down the road that last bit of the journey just to go, <laughs> I've missed you so much, I brought you some ham. And then all of a sudden I had a baby that I felt that way about with as well. So it is a real precarious balance of doing the things you really love, but not doing... I don't enjoy going away. Yes, it's anymore. weird. People yeah. often describe, you know, I can only talk to dogs. Yeah. People talk to old dogs, they're such a tie. Mm. And you go, no, no, but I want to be tied. Yes, it's a willing, yeah, yeah it's a willing marriage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one's making me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, and that thing where you're just visualising, I remember going to see Hamilton, which is really, really great, obviously, but uh, <laughs> the second half, all I could see was my puppy's face. And I'm just like, this show is so long, let me go home to my dog. <laughs> I want to be in the room yes. where it's barking. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where he's just sleeping on his back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. And uh, the Great British Sewing Bee continues, I'm guessing. Um, it def definitely, I think it will always continue. It's such a popular program. Yeah. It's really what I love about it is when people tell me it's their feel-good viewing. You think how lovely to be part of something which doesn't make people feel worse about their lives. <laughs> oh, I yeah. know what I want to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe because uh, I think it was one of those things where there was a clip of you talking and mm. it went, I, I don't know if it went viral, but I, it came into my mm. algorithm and it was you talking about how things overall are getting better. Oh, OK. Do you remember that, this? I, I don't, but I, it's not my theory. Um, but because there's a book called by Stephen Pinker called The Better Angels of Our Nature. Now, that book, which is massive, but you can listen to him on podcasts if you don't have time. <laughs> but essentially what it's about is about you're much more less likely to die of violence now than any other time where humans have existed, which it doesn't feel like because we're bombarded with terrible things because of how we consume the news. But there's also theories like that we are as a species, and I love this, self-domesticating, that we choose to sort of bond and breed with kind generous soft people uh we we're not all sort of out there looking for a, i mean i don't know about you but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we're not looking for sort of thugs anymore <laughs> anymore yeah <laughs> yes yeah um no because i was really yeah. because i think it's so easy to think oh everything's getting worse yes. and we're going to hell in a handcart yes and i just when when i heard you talk about that i just thought oh let's hang on to that i think we do have to i do think the, because we hear everything now and especially, I mean, we've got everything, you know, environmental disasters on one side and the climate and then the horrible things that people do still do to each other. And we're aware we're very lucky in this country in so many ways. So it feels bad to say, well, I'm fine. <laughs> so I think things are getting better. But I do like that as a species, I believe in us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's a great thing to yeah. to hang on to. That yes. As a species. Yes, yeah. there's a lot of wrongans, but yes. actually overall. But, and less and less and less. Yeah. Oh, Hopefully, yes. Let's keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we can get there. Yeah. We can get there. Uh, Graham, I always, always, get, always get asked about um, 
like offence in comedy. And I think that's one of the signs of, obviously it's horrible being told off or sometimes, you know, being the person that's been naughty. Yeah. But what I really love is actually that audiences are so empathetic that um, not usually at gigs per se, but especially afterwards, they'll go, do you really mean that? Or should you be saying that? And I actually think that's another really positive. Yeah. Another positive aspect. No, because it's interesting, like even 20 years ago, mm. audiences would have laughed at really cruel. Very cruel, yeah. Material. And now it's not like you can't say it. Audiences don't want you to say it. Or you better be really clear what you're saying. <laughs> Don't just use all of those words in a sentence. Be very clear, are we? Punching up or punching down here? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. what do you really mean? That kind of thing. So do you, uh, like, do you, t- so you take that feedback from audiences mm. seriously? You, you would look at a joke and kind of go, well, actually, are they right? I would definitely have a thing in my head of, am I making the world worse? Could someone get bullied at school tomorrow with this sentence? That would be my thing as a comic. I would hate it if a joke you said could be used against anyone. They should only be used against yourself, really, with stand-up. That's the yeah. Or your kids. Yeah. Or, your, or your kids. Oh kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all of those yes. things. Yeah, they're yeah. going to get bullied for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a given. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of your interest in kind of uh, uh, sort of science mm. and all of that, what, what is the word for what you're interested in? Is I, it I, I anthropology I, or? I think, I think I'm just interested in people, like, okay. lots, like lots of people. And I think I didn't realise I liked learning until after school. And I think the word I've learned from Stephen Fry is autodidact so that so after college and university I got into reading and there's so many sort of very accessible psychology books or evolutionary psychology so yeah it would be the soft sciences that I'm really interested in but really because what you're it's just gossip it's like why why did they do that and why did I feel like this it's that kind of stuff yeah so will you be doing more of that or is fiction now the way forward I, I hope so but it is a lot of work and sometimes What's good is when you think, oh, I'd like to write a book about this, and you find out it already exists, and you go, great. I, d- I, don't, have, I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it, yeah. Oh, that's a load off. Yes. Uh, Sarah Pasco, thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you so much. Good luck with baby. Thank We're you. looking at a fortnight-ish? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, well, uh, congratulations in advance. Thank and congratulations you. on right now, your, your fresh new uh, birth, Weirdo. It is out in hardback now. Thank you so much for coming thank in to you. see us. And happy Sunday to you. Happy Take Sunday. Care. Still to come, Nina Zanya pops in to tell me all about series two of Screw. But first, ding, ding. Oh, so today we've got a miso toffee apple self sourcing pudding. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. A bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> miso. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, miso hungry. Uh, <laughs> miso. miso uh, I, I, is it normally used in sweet things or is it normally savoury, isn't it? It's a bit of a, a newer venture for a lot of people to put miso in sweet things. It's normally... People have miso soup and they're familiar with that. Or they have miso as a marinade on their chicken. But to put it in something sweet, it's a play on salted caramel, essentially. Okay. But it's got miso. Miso is like a white soybean fermented paste. And that's why it becomes so salty. And it adds such a lovely complexity into desserts. More than just chucking in a bit of salt. Kind of really, it really works. Okay. Complexity. Complexity. Uh, lovely. And uh, so, and the the toffee apple element, is that just toffee? <laughs> there's actually, there's no toffee, lots of brown sugar. Oh, okay. And then it's one of those very exciting puddings where it doesn't look much from the top, but then when you dive in with your spoon, what should have happened in the oven is it should have self-sourced. So you don't make a sauce... But one appears underneath. Wow. It's a self-sourcing pudding. We wondered what it meant. But you've also put something in a jug, I see. I've put some custard in a yes! jug. <laughs> it's one. It's a dreary Sunday afternoon. It is Custard is the order of the day. Absolutely. But can I just say, though, it, you say, you, you, I think you're, you're underselling it because it does look really pretty because it's got all the apples arranged like a kind of a French apple tart on top. True. It has a little, little concentric circle of apples and it also has a few salted macadamia nuts on top as well. Get out of here! Get out of here! Wow. Uh, is this... Uh, I, I'm thinking this is quite difficult to make. No. Nice and simple. This is the perfect dessert to do if you've done a Sunday roast and you want something that just goes in the oven. It takes quite a while to cook, so it just goes in. But then when it's out, it's got its sauce, (laughs) ready-made. The pudding is done, and all you need to do is heat up some custard or get out a tub of ice cream. Either. Either would be delicious. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to eat it, and then we'll find out exactly how to make the miso toffee apple self-sourcing pudding.
Uh, so talk us through the miso toffee apple self-sourcing pudding. So we're going to begin with the pudding butter. So we are taking an electric whisk and we're beating together butter and sugar until it's nice and fluffy. Gorgeous. Adding one teaspoon of miso paste. So we're starting with that. We're building layers of saltiness into this. Okay. Uh, so one teaspoon of miso goes in now. Give it a whisk and then two eggs. And then that's your batter. The beginning of your batter is done. We're then adding flour, baking powder, milk, and then so it's basically just a regular cake. If you can make a regular cake, you can make this batter. Okay. Set that to one side. We're taking two, I'm taking Braeburn apples. So these are lovely English apples. They're the kind of eating apples, so sweet ones rather than kind of big the, the brambly. Cooking, yeah, cooking. Those, yeah. Although I do actually think that would work quite nicely in this recipe because there's quite a lot of sweetness going on. And if you like something a bit more tart, feel free. Take a cooking apple. Yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> knock yourself out. Yeah. We're slicing them nice and thinly into little wedges so that they can go over the top. Then we're putting our butter into, you want a quite a deep round cake tin and not one that has one of those push-up bottoms. You want one that's very well in, enclosed. Oh, because it will leakage. <laughs> Otherwise you'll be self-sourcing your oven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want that, no. Nobody wants that. <laughs> so a nice enclosed dish. Um, we're putting our butter into the bottom. Arrange your apples on top. You don't need to be too precious about this because we're about to add quite a lot of liquid on top and the apples may well <laughs> do their own thing. Okay. So <laughs> lay your apples on however you like. And then this is where the magic happens. So you've got this butter and these apples. Then in a separate bowl or jug, we're whisking together boiling water, about 300 millilitres, quite a lot. The rest of our soft light brown sugar and two more teaspoons of miso paste. Whisk that together until it's all dissolved. And then you pour this liquid... As in, like, it feels like you're pouring like a whole mug of coffee, essentially, in terms of volume over the top of okay. your pudding. And you look at it, and the social media guy came in to film it, and he honestly looked at it as if, like, that, yeah. is, that I, isn't going to work. I won't be posting this. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> um, so you want to then put it in straight into the oven. Don't let it stand. Also recommend putting it on another tray, because it may well creates so yes. much sauce that it can't be contained in your tip. It's over self-sourced. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one will complain about too much toffee sauce, yeah, yeah. but you might if you're scrubbing the bottom of your oven the So how, how hot is your oven in order to get make all that liquid work? So the oven is at 190 degrees. Is that all? Yes, yeah, so it's not super hot. It goes in and you want to bake it for 45 to 50 minutes. And within minutes, you'll notice the batter will just have risen to the top. The liquid will have sunk to the bottom. It will have absorbed a bit of the starch from the pudding as it goes down, which thickens it up. And then when it's ready to come out, it will be bubbling around the edge. You want to sprinkle a few macadamia nuts on top just for a final little flourish. And then literally you plunge your spoon in and in the bottom is this little no, it's sea del- of toffee sauce that you didn't even have to make. It is delicious. <laughs> it's so moist and fluffy and, and just about, it's sort of sweet enough. You don't, mm. you don't sort of feel like, you know, you need to go to the dentist and you've eaten it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's lovely. Very comforting and gorgeous on a day like today. Exactly. It's such a comfort food. I love myself. A saucy pudding with gorgeous. custard. Uh, Miso toffee uh, apple self-sourcing pudding. That recipe, you can get it at waitrose.com slash showchef uh, or you can check it out on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, thank you so much, Martha. And I'll see you next Very weekend. Welcome. All right. Have a lovely week. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. She's here everybody Nina Sasanya <laughs> returns as Lee Henry senior prison officer at Long Marsh Prison for series 2 of Channel 4 drama Screw uh, welcome to the uh, show Nina thank you very much thank you it's, for having I, me it's so weird just saying the word screw a lot I know <laughs> I know when they first told me what it was going to be called I was like really really um, are we going to be saying that word over and over and then now it's screw 2 yeah. So, yeah. 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 Screw as well. Yeah. So the end of uh, series one yeah. ended with much drama and oh, yeah. the death yeah. and all that. So uh, where do we find you all? Is there a big time gap between no. season? Oh, no. There's like uh, six weeks between the ending of the first series and the beginning of the second. Um, so everyone's still very much affected by the goings-on at the end of series one with Toby's death and um, just the the drama of that. And Lee is very much trying to get everything back to normal. She's trying to um, uh, instill a, a feeling of, of teamwork because that's not something she's been good at up until now um, and a sense of responsibility for the prisoners. And basically she's trying to uh, make the, the wing function in a way that it hasn't yet. Um, she's just... Yeah, struggling. And everybody's sort of dealing with the consequences. And season one, I loved what it was, because your character was so, you know, you were the lead, but 
you couldn't describe her as a hero or a heroine oh, no. in any way. No. Uh, so is she more, is she less morally ambiguous in this season? I hope not, actually, because that's sort of what I like about her. You could never quite pin down what she was going to do, what she was thinking. Um, you couldn't really pin down her moral code or compass because that's one of the things that is really compromised when you're um, when you're building a, a life that is based on lies, which is what she's she's doing. Um, she's more buffeted, I think, in this series. She's she's less in control by dint of trying to be more in control. I suppose yeah. she loses it even more. Um, this series is more also about the consequences for all the other characters as well. Um, there's a bit of a thriller element in terms of what's going on in the in the prison with um, the possibility of an undercover police officer in amongst one of the prisoners or, or one of the prison officers. We just don't know. Lee doesn't know. So as well as trying to instill a, a sense of trust amongst her colleagues, she actually then doesn't know who to trust. But now kind of much more bonded with Rose, played by Jamie Lee O'Donnell. Yeah. Because they were kind of bonding yeah, heads in season yeah. one. Yeah, yeah sort and, of. And tell me this. So is a season two, do you feel, because I, I don't know, was it written, was season one written for you? For me personally. Yeah, or did you just, were you no, just a jobbing actor? And you, no, jobbing yeah. actor all the time. Okay, so yeah, this yeah. this season was written for you. Well, I, su- I suppose you could look at it that way. Well, they knew who was playing Shall the part. Shall we look at it that way? Yeah, let's, let's look at it, <laughs> let's that, look at way. it that way. Yeah. So did you have any input in the journey um, of your character? I'm not in the journey of the character, no. I mean, it, in terms of uh, the plotting and what actually occurs, that's very much Rob's, uh, the writer's um, area. And he does that so well. I, I'm, that's not my forte anyway. Um, but what you sort of do is bring out the things that he's actually already written but perhaps didn't see from the actor's point of view. So uh, a lot of the things that I find interesting about Lee are sort of consequences of of character things that he's already written. Uh, Why is she there in the first place? Why is she trying to... um, Why does she have such a a need to look after all these men? And and, and to me, that's because the major male figure in her life was uh, obliterated by somebody that she should have had the most trust in. Um, And that informs everything that she does and says and is for the rest of her life, I suppose. And there's such inherent drama in this idea of women in charge of a prison for men. And you would kind of think, oh, that's just a telly thing. But I think you were telling me before that it's real. There are lots of female prison officers in which you kind of think, I don't know, your your mind doesn't quite compute that that would be a thing. No, you you would just... You just assume, in as, in as much as anyone thinks about how prisons work, which you know we don't. Let's be honest. Um, you would, yeah, you would just assume, and I, and I, and perhaps from documentaries or other dramas, you don't see it that much. But um, yeah, the 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 numbers of uh, female prison officers in male prison prisons is is relatively high. I, th- I think it's it's less than half, but it's but it's it's high, um, and I think it's quite useful uh, for the prisoners to have female energy within their... It softens it, it or, yeah. It can soften it. It can just change it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the idea that it's, that uh, the, the, the females will bring something gentler is perhaps not always true, uh, <laughs> but, um, and perhaps it shouldn't be either, but I just think it's, it's just, it's good for just, for people to have both genders there. And uh, as an actor, did you do that thing of, did you go to real prisons or did you talk to real uh, female prison officers? I talked to a real female prison officer who'd been in the job for, I think, 20 years and she absolutely loves it. Um, At the time when we started the first one, everyone was in lockdown, we couldn't go into prisons. Yeah. Um, And also that's sort of not what I... Do but really? also, I think, I think with, particularly with prisons, there's a weird thing that you don't want to be a, t- a, a prison tourist. A tourist, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, t- stealing bits from people's real life situations. And also, you sort of want to play your version of this person in that situation. I wouldn't want to, to try and recreate anybody else's experience. So um, I did, yeah, I, I spoke to this um, lovely, lovely woman uh, for, for a long time and, uh, you know, just, just got things like, what's it like when you first walk in? What's it smell like? What's it feel like? What are the things that scare you? And what are the things yeah. that uh, surprise you um but actually sometimes that doesn't necessarily matter in terms of the script because you're not doing that you're not playing her you're playing lee and you mentioned the writer rob yeah. rob williams and he created is this his first 
thing. No, no, no he's, a, he's a seasoned writer um, on all sorts of things. I wish I could remember what they were, but excellent, excellent things that he's But written. he did work in prisons? He, um, he goes into prisons and does voluntary work in there, and he does all sorts of things with, um, with prisoners, yeah. Oh, does he do like workshoppy things? I don't think he does workshoppy things. I think he's, he, does, he does things that are, well, he's, he's a great guy. He does, um, <laughs> I don't want to say My what he does. My mind is whirring now. I'm like, what the hell does he do? What he helps he do? them uh, make nail files. <laughs> um, he smuggles in phones. And gleans. <laughs> no, but he, he's, yeah, he, he just works in that area. And has done for, for many years. Okay, okay. There you go. I, I, there you go. I'm backing away. I'm backing away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making it sound so much worse than it is. And where do you film it? Uh, in Scotland, in Glasgow. Okay. The lovely, lovely city of Glasgow in um, a huge uh, place called Kelvin Hall, um, which is uh, houses not only the studio, but the, the set, uh, which is three stories high and sort of, of on an actual scale of a prison. So they built the whole prison inside a building in Glasgow. I just assumed they'd found no some old prison. No, yeah. because you can't, I mean... It's a Victoria. It's, it's a Victorian prison, and most of those cells and most of those corridors would be much, much too narrow to film in. So they've made it sort of larger than life, so that you can take out the backs of, of the cells and you can get the cameras in from behind. You can take walls out and ceilings out, and you know. Um, but the whole thing is there. When you're going around a corner, you're going around a real corner. You're not sort of you know reconstructing the set as you go. I mean, that must be so n- nice as an actor yeah. that there's some a basis of reality. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, in his dark materials that you do, yeah. like in that, is it just a load of old nonsense, and you're just talking to a curtain? I mean, I love. Yeah, I think there is a load of old nonsense for when if you're doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, blue, the show is a load of old no, nonsense. No, no. I mean, blue screens with crosses on and look over here and pretend there's something over there. All the stuff that I did in. Um, his dark materials was very much in the real world so i was actually on location in real places so i didn't have to deal wales. with wales in <laughs> in wales yeah, yeah. just wales. usually usually yeah. just wales, yeah, just yeah, wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is also is lovely what is the draw of wales why do they film so much stuff in wales i think it's the same reason they do so much stuff in in scotland because you've got amazing landscapes um you've got all landscapes in a very small area really because you've got your coast and your hills and countryside you've got lovely old architecture uh, or within a few miles, and you got great crews. You know, I, you know. Yeah. What's not to like? What's not to like? Yeah. Move to Wales. Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. And or Glasgow. It's really lovely. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, because presumably you spent a long time in Glasgow. A lot. Yeah. The first time it was sort of lockdown, um, which was sort of nice because you sort of get it to yourself. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time on the river, on uh, on the Kel- uh, River Kelvin, and then and there's the Clyde. Um, there's the university at the top, which is um, which was uh, the inspiration for Hogwarts. Um, there are amazing museums and things. So the next time, yeah, I was I was able to go in the museums in the art gallery. And, you know. That must have been so strange going back to Glasgow and have it be open. It was open, of, yeah. Kind of, oh, wow, there's all these coffee shops. Oh, look, there's yeah. a restaurant. And yeah. all the people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the people are just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how long are you there for? Like months at a time? Months at a time. Four months. Five months. Four months, five months, nearly six months. It, it sort of depended on at the time on, on certain lockdown issues yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. all productions had. So, yeah. yeah, but it was quite. it's quite a long time. And you are kind of, you know, you've done an awful lot of stage work. Yeah. Uh, so is the, do is that in your future? Because oh, I hope so. Oh, just hope. Okay. I, I mean, not, there's nothing. Okay, because uh, I'm joking. Okay, no, no, what do you do? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing there. Yeah. This is good. Um, well, no, because uh, I, I always feel it's, it's uh, when you talk to an actor, you don't want to go, what are you what doing next? What are you doing next? next? Because they're going, actually... Nothing. Nothing. Uh, okay. Waiting. Happy? There are very secret, huge things in there my future. There you go. See? Yeah. You see those things that I can't Star talk Wars. about. Star Wars. She's doing Star Wars. <laughs> uh, that's what's happening. <laughs> I mean, you said it. <laughs> there. I've let the cat out of the bag. In the meantime, uh, we can see Nina Sazania in Screw 2. Uh, all episodes are available to watch out on all four. And when will we know about Screw 3? I don't know. I think as soon as uh, Channel 4 makes their decisions. Come on, Come on. Watch it, everyone. Watch it. Uh, you are getting on a boat. Uh, safe sailing back to Greenwich. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, lovely to see you. Thank you for coming in on a Sunday. It's Thank really, you. really lovely kind to see of you. you. Thanks 
so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.